Quarterbacks, hosted by W. Earl Kitchings. Our podcast is dedicated to preserving the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. And now, here's your host, W. Earl Kitchings. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Forgotten Quarterbacks. I'm your host, W. Earl Kitchings. And as we normally do, we are so thankful to have you join us on another podcast so we can talk about the legacy, histories, and futures of black quarterbacks who've played this game called American football for over 100 years. We've given you a rundown on quite a few quarterbacks and the schools they've played at. And we're not going to stop there. We're going to continue this journey because there are so many guys that have played this position that we want you to know about that we want to make sure we get you all the information that we possibly can get you here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks podcast. We're looking forward to sharing with you also the the statistical data, the statistical data that these guys put up. It's nothing like numbers. And numbers are what make games exciting. They're what gives life to these guys' legacy and the things they've done on the field. And, of course, it helps to make sure that their efforts and achievements are not ever, ever forgotten. And that is the mission here at the Quartify Back. We are here to make sure you don't ever forget some of the greatest quarterbacks who've ever played the game. You know, it's interesting. I was running across something uh, this past week about one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play at an HBCU who never got a chance to play at the professional ranks because, of course, of course, like most times, they switch the guys from quarterback to some other position. More notably, either wide out, most times, cornerback. But we're not going to talk about him because the great Eldridge Dickey was one for the ages and one we're going to talk about when we get to our podcast dealing with the quarterbacks who played at Tennessee State University. But today, what we're going to do is bring you the legacy of the quarterbacks who played at Oklahoma University. Their tradition is very, very steeped in the number of quarterbacks who played that position over the years. And if you know anything about Oklahoma University, you know they are known as a team that pretty much runs or ran the football. And the first name that comes to mind when we talk about Oklahoma running the football, I know they they had quite a few guys to do it with power. But when we talk about guys who did it with speed, that would be Greg Pruitt, who played for them in the very, very early 1970s. And at the time, Greg Pruitt was making the wishbone offense potent in Norman, Oklahoma with the Sooners. He was led by a quarterback by the name of Kerry Jackson. And Kerry Jackson had a very short career at Oklahoma, 
was penciled in to, to be an outstanding quarterback. He was the first black quarterback to play at Oklahoma. So him running the wishbone, and for those of you who may not know what the wishbone offense is, it's where you have a fullback and two running backs on opposite sides of the fullback to make it look like a Y or the wishbone, just like you have when you're eating some poultry or chicken or turkey, you know about that wishbone. Well, that particular offense was created by Daryl Royal at Texas, and it became a powerful offense to operate. And what made Oklahoma's wishbone even more potent was the fact that the quarterback became the integral part of the four-prone or three-prone running attack, whereby if he did not give it to the fullback or tossed it to the tailback, he had the option to run the ball. And because of the speed and the elusiveness of the quarterbacks, they made a big difference in running this particular offense. So Kerry Jackson was the first black quarterback to appear on the campus at Oklahoma, and he came there in 1972, saw limited action, as I stated. He threw no touchdown passes, uh, only 231 passing yards because he suffered an injury in the fifth game uh, of his season in 72. 1973, he was ruled ineligible, which lost him an opportunity to start and never really got back in the lineup. And that's what athletes truly hate to do is get an injury or some other incident to cause them to get out of the rotation or just lose eligibility to play that particular position that they've worked so hard to play. So this is what happened to Kerry Jackson, that he was ready to go. And he got a limited opportunity, and it eventually just faded away from him. Kerry Jackson was out of Galveston, Texas. And as I was compiling the list of the quarterbacks, the black quarterbacks who played at Oklahoma, you'll be surprised to know that maybe about 80% of them came from the state of Texas. I know that might sound like, how can that be? But they did, um, if not 80, definitely 60% of them because they had a total of almost a dozen guys to play the position at Oklahoma. And I know half of them, over half of them played, uh, came from Texas. So following Kerry Jackson, the next guy, who had impact at Oklahoma running the wishbone offense was a guy by the name of Thomas Lott. Thomas Lott arrived in 1975, just as Kerry Jackson was leaving from San Antonio, Texas. And when he arrived there, there were several other quarterbacks in front of him, him being the second black quarterback to ever play at Oklahoma. So, you know, he had to really work to make the coaches take note of him. And what had happened also was that 
Chuck Fairbanks, who used to be the coach at Oklahoma, left, I believe, and went to the pro ranks. So you enter Barry Switzer. And Barry Switzer identified Thomas Lott as a phenomenal quarterback who could run that wishbone to perfection because not only could he put that ball in there and take it out when he was giving it to the fullback or the halfback, uh, he could also make plays happen with his feet. And if you ever wanted to see a guy who would remind you of Michael Vick, it would have been a Thomas Lott. And he beat out other guys to finally get a chance to start at Oklahoma. And during his time, he led the Sooners to three Big Eight. That's what it was back then, the Big Eight Conference, uh, which is now the Big 12 Conference. But he led them to three championships. Now, he had a trademark. He had a trademark that... You know, when you when he took his helmet off and and I want you to think about this, because when you look at these guys wearing these head coverings under their helmets now, they didn't have that kind of head covering. Then all you could wear was a bandana. And that was his trademark. That red bandana that he would wear under that crimson red helmet out there at Oklahoma. And that denoted him from everybody else on the football field. That red bandana. And it would slightly hang out the back of that helmet so you could see like the tail of it. But that's what he was known for in addition to being able to run that option, uh, that wishbone option attack. Some have considered Thomas Lott the greatest wishbone quarterback to ever live and ever play the game and run an offense. Thomas Lott, 1975 through 78 at Oklahoma. 2,092 yards. And remember, when you've got an offensive attack that runs the ball up and down the field, putting up three, four, five, six hundred 600-yard rushing attacks, you're not going to be passing the ball a lot because by the time you get a chance to pass, the defense is trying to stop the run so much that you end up throwing the football. But he had almost 2,100 yards in passing, six touchdowns, but his career record at Oklahoma was 26-5-1. and one. one guy who was running the ball for him back in the day was Billy Sims. And Billy Sims was a load. And for all you old-timers who know who I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about when I say Billy Sims. Following Thomas Lott, another gentleman came on the scene who was on the roster with Lott, but he was the backup. But he eventually got a chance to play for a little while. And his name was J.C. Watts. Now, you may know J.C. Watts more of a congressman from Oklahoma who has been visible in Washington for some years. He, uh, I think he's retired now. But he played from 76 to 79, and he led the Sooners to two Orange Bowl victories while compiling 1,917 yards, 18 touchdowns, and a record of 31-4 and four over the time he played. So those two guys had a lot to do with Oklahoma football becoming what it was. So the next guy after J.C. Watts was Daryl Shepard out of uh, Odessa. Watts was out of Eufaula, Oklahoma. He was the first Oklahoma quarterback to lead the Sooners. But Daryl Shepard came out of Odessa and 
did not have that stellar of a career. Only had about 425 yards passing with three touchdowns. So he was there for three years from 79 to 81. But the next guy who came behind Shepard was a guy by the name of Jamil Holloway. And that's H-O-L-I-E-Way. Holloway. Jamel Holloway. And he was another one of those guys who had the speed and could run that offense. Now, he arrived in 1985. And he more than likely became the last quarterback to actually run the famed wishbone. Now, he broke into the lineup after an injury to Troy Aikman. That's right. I said Troy Aikman because Troy Aikman, of course, eventually transferred to UCLA. But he was at Oklahoma first. And he led, Jamel Holloway, led the Sooners to the 1985 National Championship and the 1986 Orange Bowl win. So the championship game and the Orange Bowl game kind of synonymous in the same season. He became the first freshman to win a national title. First freshman. So in one season, he did a lot. National championship, Orange Bowl win. Their record was... I believe they were undefeated that year. And he went on to have a great season, but injuries prevented him from having productive years following his first year. So he did not have the great career. However, he did amass 2,339 yards, 22 touchdowns, and finished his career with a 31-5 and record. So he did some things even though he had to fight through injuries. The next guy who came along was named Charles Thompson, and he led Oklahoma to two outstanding seasons. In 1987, they went 11-1, and in 1988, they went 9-3. The lone loss for the Sooners in 1987 probably cost them a national championship. The lone loss they had under Charles Thompson. Charles Thompson eventually got into some other trouble, and transferred to Central State University in Central, uh, Central Ohio, and that's where he completed his career. Following him, and there are no kin, was Paul Thompson, and he had a very tumultuous career at Oklahoma, did not get an opportunity to play a whole lot, was used sporadically, was in a backup role, but in 2006... He got an opportunity not only to lead them to a playoff berth, but he helped them win the Big 12 title. As I said before, once upon a time, they were in the Big 8. Then they joined the Big 12. I mean, then they changed it to the Big 12. They didn't join the Big 12. They changed it to the Big 12. So his legacy was that he was able to put that together for them. Uh, Paul Thompson Recorded 3,905 yards, 26 touchdowns, and basically had a 20 and 4, no, I'm sorry, 11 and 3 career because of him not getting a chance to play a whole lot. So, Paul Thompson, Charles Thompson, kind of right there together. Following him was the next guy that you know a lot about. He's the all time 
leading passer for black quarterbacks at Oklahoma, the first Oklahoma quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy, currently the starting quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and that would be Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray out of Beaufort, Texas. Thompson, Paul Thompson was from Leander, Texas. Murray was from Bedford, Texas. Correction, not Beaufort, but Bedford, Texas. From 2015 to 2018, he amassed 5,400-plus yards and, as I stated, became the first quarterback in the history of the school to win the Heisman when he did that in 2018. Now, if you know anything about Kyler Murray, you know that he's not a real big guy. Neither was Holloway, Hollyway, neither was Lott, neither was J.C. Watts. They weren't big guys. Quick, fast, agile, good throwing arms, but I believe Murray stands right at about six feet. And for these quarterbacks who are at that statue to get an opportunity to play at the next level, especially in the NFL, that says a lot about their ability, their commitment, and their skills. Because it's one thing to be drafted as a quarterback. It's another thing to get drafted as the number one pick. And it's another thing to get playing time because in doing research with, quarter, with quarterbacks and the teams they've played for, there are some quarterbacks on the rosters of NFL teams today that have 12 to 14 years of experience in the NFL, and you probably don't know their names. Some you might, but for a guy to be on a roster for that long and not play or start, that tells you a lot about his IQ because that's what that comes down to. And being able to work in the backup role, accepting the backup role, and being thankful that you can be on an NFL team for that long because, of course, if they win championships, you get not only the ring, but you get the playoff monies from that. But just to have a career where you've gone past 10 years and still playing, even though you may not be a starter, that's a accomplishment that we have to salute because it could be very easily to replace, replace some of these guys, but they haven't been replaced, even though they may have bounced around from team to team. The fact of the matter is they still have that job as a quarterback in the NFL. So think about that. But Kyler Murray is the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals, and he is uh, been good for them, and he was good for Oklahoma. Now, the next three names on the list, they had interesting career stops. And I put emphasis on the word stops because they did not stay at Oklahoma too long. Two years at the most. Three years, maybe. The first guy, and we came to know him, 
because he came on the scene in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and his name was Jalen Hurts from Channel View, Texas. And Hurts had 6,000 yards, 39 touchdowns, and finished his career with a 12-2 and record at Oklahoma. And transferring from Alabama to Oklahoma didn't hurt him. He got a chance to play and did well. And as you know, uh, doing very well in the NFL was um, almost a Super Bowl champion this past year. But Jalen Hurts, an outstanding quarterback whose father coached him in high school. So he came to college with the skill sets and the talent to make it. The next guy was Spencer Rattler out of Phoenix, Arizona. He came there in 2019. He was on the roster as a backup behind Hertz. So he was there from 2019 to 2021. Had a record of 13-2 and during his playing time uh, because his time got cut short. Uh, <clears throat> and then after that, he, he transferred. But he did throw for almost 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns. So Spencer Rattler uh, transferred to South Carolina and completed his collegiate career. Uh, I believe he has one more season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in 2023. I don't recall him being drafted. So we'll see if he'll have another good year with South Carolina. And, you know, the COVID process caused a lot of guys to get one, possibly two years of additional playing time. And then finally, the 2022 Heisman Trophy winner, was at Oklahoma in 2021, but he decided that he would take his skills to Los Angeles and play on the campus of the University of Southern Cal. And for Caleb Williams, that had to be an excellent move because it got him the Heisman Trophy. While he was at Oklahoma, he only had a record of 72, threw for 1,300-plus yards, and decided to follow his coach who recruited him to USC. Caleb Williams was from Washington, D.C. So the legacy of the Oklahoma quarterbacks have gone since 1972 for almost 50 years, uh, a little over 50 as we go into this season. And they've had some outstanding names. And for you old schoolers who remember the names of Thomas Lott, J.C. Watts, and Jamil Holloway, those were some exciting football seasons, and there was excitement on the plains of Oklahoma back in those days and those years when those guys were playing running that wishbone because there was nothing like it. From Greg Pruitt to Billy Sims to Joe Washington, three iconic running backs who did their thing in the wishbone offense, but had some quarterbacks who made it possible for them to make it happen. So that's our podcast for today here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks. As always, we'd like to remind you that you can go to our website at quarter phi, P-H-I, not F-I, but P-H-I, quarter phi back.com. Click on our icon for blogs and you can read our newsletter the post route and read the story and the information about these quarterbacks that we have been giving you uh, since this newsletter started 
This was number 17 of the newsletters. So we are going all the way through 2023 before we start volume two. But this one was the legacy of black quarterbacks at Oklahoma. While we have a moment, I would also like to share with you that our podcast today is brought to you by the Anthony Lawrence Collection, where they say their goal is to put fun and style in NCAA licensed college apparel. If you went to a, an HBCU, reckon, represent your university with pride and style when you purchase and wear something from the Anthony Lawrence Collection. The Anthony Lawrence Collection is committed to being a source for exclusive collegiate apparel. They design clothing so you can look great and focus on representing your institution with pride. The Anthony Lawrence Collection. Check them out at theanthonylawrencecollection.com. So as we close out, we want to remind you that you can go to our website and you can also order the book, The Forgotten QBs, which was written almost two years ago now. I wrote the book to make sure we don't ever forget the legacy of these young men who have played this game of college football for over a century. Until the next time, for my director, my producer, my IT guru, Mr. Deterion Sturgill, I'm W. Earl Kitching, as always, saying go deep here from the Forgotten Quarterbacks. Take care. Thank you for joining us here on the Forgotten Quarterbacks with host W. Earl Kitching. Join us as we discuss more about the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. 